Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, the climb from scout to general manager in the NFL can be a story in itself. That story carries with it learning experiences that could take you straight to Canton. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., Right, you know, we've made some changes <laughs> in the open NFL historians. This show actually is for you, and it's still not for those who know it all. Okay, again, find something else to listen to. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So, we are here to what enlighten, but please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always here to learn. It is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Billy Up Sports. Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. You'll find us all on the bellyupsports.com website. Check us out, one and all. My show, as well as others, including some really, really great writers on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those great post- podcasting platforms. All right. Also, YouTube. You got to get to YouTube, get to the YouTube channels of all of these shows as well. Great content. Love it all. All right. So without further ado, I kind of want to start the show saying congratulations to Big Ten champion Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, and also the SEC champion Alabama Crimson Tide. Golly, they did it again. I I just couldn't see them losing the game. I know the Georgia Bulldogs were undefeated their defense was giving up 6.9 points per game and all of that I just couldn't see them losing I I really couldn't anyway let's get right to the show we're going to start it off week 13 the rundown Thursday night football always kicks it all off for the whole week 
Cowboys at Saints. Dan Quinn, he did look pretty comfortable on the sideline, especially being a former head coach of the Falcons. Dallas got the 27-17 uh, win against the Saints. And although quarterback Taysom Hill ran for, what, 100 yards and threw for 469 yards, he suffered what's called a mallet finger injury. What is that? I, I had to find out. Basically, though, is when you have a torn or a stretched tendon at the end of your finger and you can't straighten it out. It's what happened to Russell Wilson. That's what it was. And that guy was out for a month. So New Orleans has three choices. Let Taysom Hill play through it, which I'm sure he's willing. Start Trevor Simeon again. Eh, worked out what? The first game, but since then, blah. Or you put in Notre Dame rookie Ian Book. Sean Payton, he has a lot to think about, especially since the New Orleans Saints have lost four straight games. Now, to Sunday, the afternoon games, Bucks at Falcons. Football fans, again, in Georgia, y'all had a long weekend. The top-ranked Bulldogs lost the SEC championship again to Alabama in Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday night. The next day, Falcons fans were able to leave their seats early in the fourth quarter after the Buccaneers beat down Atlanta 30-17. And that was all behind Brady's 368 yards and four touchdowns. But once again, the guy throws another pick six. Great read by the defensive lineman. Don't even remember his name. But Brady, by the way, is now 10-0 against Atlanta in his career, including the playoffs. 28-3 anyone. Kyler Murray returns in Chicago amidst that ankle injury that he had that would not go away to lead Arizona to a win in very bad weather to maintain the best record in the NFC. Not looking good for Chicago. Matt Nagy, he may have headed to that bar again, but his team has struggled. Just like that Bears fan struggled with that poncho at the top of the stands. Yeah, kind of like that. They just could not find their way out. Uh, in the immortal words of Jim Halpert from the office, Cardinals beats Bears Battlestar Galactica. Just when you think the Bengals are going to be okay, they go down. And I haven't heard from Jamar Chase in a while. It's been a minute. Still good receiver. He caught him, you know, he caught him five passes on Sunday. But I haven't heard from him in a while. Joe Burrow, he hasn't been good in losses. Tossing more interceptions than touchdowns most of the time. But it doesn't help when you get sacked six times. And the Chargers, they've been the mirror image of Cincinnati. Good one week, bad the next. This was a good week. They outscored Cincinnati 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter. All right, finally, get the party hats out. Detroit gets their first win in a year. Literally, a year. What, December 5th, I think, was their last win against Washington. And then December, excuse me, then, uh, yeah, December 6th, they get the win. And look, Lions fans, after losing multiple games this year at the last minute, it feels good doing it to somebody else, doesn't it? Minnesota, somebody had to lose, and you drew the long straw. So, Daniel Jones is out because of a neck injury. And the quarterback with a longer neck, Mike Glennon, I'm sorry, I had to. He had to start, and he got concussed. So, he's out. Instant L for the Giants, whether he played the whole game or not. Sorry, Mike Glennon. Dolphins, they win their fifth in a row. 
A little green on green as the Jets hosted the Eagles. The guy loves jorts, doesn't he? Gardner Minshew stepped in for Jalen Hurts and completed his first 11 passes. And speaking of consistency, it was a great back and forth game in the beginning as both teams scored their first three possessions. That's six touchdowns, people. The Jets, though, they couldn't keep up. The Eagles scored on their first seven possessions and went on to win the game 33-18. Hmm. Just like death and taxes are a life guarantee, it's, this year is like a guarantee that Jonathan Taylor is going to have 140-something yards rushing and the Texas, uh, the Texans losing in 2021. Houston, I understand they booed the crap out of them early. I would boo myself. Boo. Boo. I'm not even a fan. Boo. You lose to Indy 31 to nothing this week. And then back in October, you lost 31, excuse me, 31 to nothing this week. 31 to 3 back in October. Just terrible. Just terrible. Now, I'm not afraid to say this. I do need to see Matt Stafford do this against a team that is good or even elite. I still believe in the guy, though. They beat up on a bad Jaguars team pretty bad, 37-7. But who hasn't, right? 49ers at Seahawks. I have three things to say about this game. One, the 49ers missed Debo Samuel on Sunday. Two, I really don't care that Seattle won the game. I believe they uh, I will believe they will make the playoffs when I turn my television on and see Russell Wilson running out for warm-ups in January. And three, Adrian Peterson is slowly turning in to the running back version of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Seattle is his seventh team. Seventh in his career. 11 carries, 16 yards. Not the best, but he did score a touchdown. That was the difference in the game. Vegas, now, your turn. I have one question. Why acquire a receiver like Deshaun Jackson and not try to get the man the ball? I know he's 34 years old. I understand that. I even understand going back to when the, earlier this season when he was with the Rams. Okay, you have a lot of receivers on the field anyway, starting with Cooper Cup. He's not going to be the number one guy. And I understand that you like Mr. Renfro for the Raiders, but and understand, like I said, he's 34 years old, but every time you see him catch a ball, it's like going for 50 and a touchdown. Every time he catches the ball, and he's 34. Sunday, one target. I don't get it. I don't. Washington, on the other hand, they're on their fourth, fourth, fourth kicker of the season and got their fourth game-winning drive from Taylor Heineke. Excuse me. Courtesy of the newly acquired Brian Johnson. The rookie kicker, signed, I think he got signed by Washington from New Orleans. He's originally from Bethesda, Maryland, and grew up a Baltimore Ravens fan. Nice. And speaking of Baltimore, when you pick up the 2022 issue of Athlon, for instance, the pro football issue, and turn to the Ravens page, whether you're a fan or not, you will read about how hurt your team was all season long. This squad, they lost their top three running backs at the beginning of the season, then tackle Ronnie Staley, uh, Marcus Peters at corner, many, many more. And then they turned around and lost Marlon Humphrey on Sunday for the rest of the season. Torn Peck, I believe it was. And they came into this game against Pittsburgh, and they played at Pittsburgh with 
their secondary hurt. Everybody's hurt. Understand injuries. I get that. Real, everybody has injuries. Everybody says that, but nobody wants to talk about when the injuries happen and to whom. That does make a big difference. If your left tackle already stinks, then it's not going to make a big difference. But if that left tackle is actually pretty good, do you understand what I'm saying? So they came in with everybody hurt. With all that stuff being said, two tears in the bucket. Pittsburgh won. Lamar should have thrown a better pass. Patrick Mahomes, you're killing me, Smalls. No touchdown passes? Again? Again. Look, maybe it's not totally his fault this time around. Okay, those receivers have got to catch the football, as Michael Irvin would say. That defense that was so terrible at the beginning of the year, they stepped their game up the last couple of weeks. They got three turnovers and got three stops on fourth down. Wow. Teddy Bridgewater, though, not great. All right. After that pick six, I turned off the game. Believe me, I was rooting for Mahomes, but I want to see the guy do well. I want to see Teddy Bridgewater do well. Oh, Devontae Williams, he is a beast. And the last thing, I did know this. According to ESPN Stats and Info, the Broncos are now 3-20 in the month of December playing in Kansas City. And that includes going all the way back to the AFL days. That's bad. All right, Monday Night Football, last night, you know it's Tuesday, the battle for first place. I know that the Army-Navy game is this weekend, but I think both of those teams this weekend will combine to throw the football more than the Patriots did on Monday night. Guaranteed. It was a nightmare for throwing the football, kicking the football, almost playing football. Now, I, don't get me wrong, I believe in playing in the cold. I believe in playing in cold weather. But wind gusts up to 40 to 50, 55 miles per hour, what are you supposed to do? I mean, seriously, you've seen quarterbacks trying to hand the football off and it's getting blown, <laughs> almost blown off the tee. You know, you're trying to blow it out of their hand. The, uh, the Patriots, they had, what, a 15-yard punt, early fumbles by both teams. Nobody really wanted to kick. But Terrell Davis once said, running the football is like a slow death. You know what's coming, but you can do nothing to stop it. That was the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. They could not stop the Patriots from running the football. One freaking pass in the first half. One, one. Mac Jones threw three for the entire game. He was, what, two for three, 19 yards. Elias Sports Bureau, they said that New England had the fewest passing yards and are the first team to attempt, attempt one pass in the first half of the game or of a game since around 1978. Belichick, he's just the best, just the best. Um. Watching the Cowboys and Saints game on Thursday, I couldn't help thinking about Dallas on hard knocks, especially during this time where I'm talking about, I've been talking about scouts and then GMs. Eventually, we'll get into owners and all that stuff and, may, and probably back to coaches. History is very vast. That's why I love doing this show. But Dallas, hard knocks, you, get, you got to see firsthand some of the decisions. If you've watched any hard knocks throughout the years, uh, on HBO, you see who gets cut, uh, who ends up making the practice squad, who actually makes the team and, and and wins a starting position if they're a rookie or something like that, free agents. Well, we know that GMs make most of these decisions. 
I want to tell you about a rival GM of Dallas who did it so well, it got him into the Hall of Fame. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So you remember last week we were talking about Don Klosterman, the guy I didn't know anything about because he was a big-time GM for three different teams, mainly the Colts and the Rams. Well, you know, mainly he was you know, GM for two different teams, the Colts and the Rams, and he did some work actually with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. But he got his first general manager position um, with – the Baltimore Colts, all right? Let me correct myself. He got his first GM position with the Baltimore Colts. They won Super Bowl five in 1971 while he was there. In 72, a businessman by the name of Robert Ursay acquired the Los Angeles Rams from the owner of the time, Don uh, Dan Reeves. Excuse me, not Don, Dan Reeves. <laughs> Don Klosterman, Dan Reeves. And then they swapped franchises with Baltimore Colts owner, Carol Rosenblum, who would take Klosterman with him to be GM of the Rams. The man who helped orchestrate that swap was then Colts GM Joe Thomas. Interestingly enough, Thomas had fired head coach Don McCafferty a year after they won the Super Bowl. They started 1-4 in 1972. All right, I get it. McCafferty had replaced Don Shula in Baltimore when he left the Colts uh, to coach the Miami Dolphins in 1970. Fast forward to 1974. Thomas ended up coaching the Colts for a few games because Ursay comes up to the box and say, you're the coach. He fired Howard Schnellenberger. Yes, that Howard Schnellenberger, the legendary Miami Hurricanes head coach who started it all, started the U thing, right? And he had been the, the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator before becoming the head coach in Baltimore. So how did Joe Thomas end up with the Baltimore Colts with them in the first place? He was replaced after a contract dispute with Joe Robbie, the owner, as director of player personnel in 1972, keep that year in mind, by a young scout named Bobby Bethard. So let me stop right here. We hear director of player personnel. What do they do? Well, I read up a little bit on it just to get my facts straight. And I'll just kind of summarize it like this. Bleacher reports Paul Thielen. He says that they report directly to the general manager. The general manager is the be-all, end-all with the firing and the hiring and the players, whether they're, they're free agents, they're already on the team, or even draft picks, okay? They report the director of player personnel to the GM. And what the player director of player personnel basically does, he deals with the players that are already in the league, okay? Contract negotiations and scouting other teams' rosters, okay? They are expected to know every good player that can be available in free agency, let alone just every player, period. 
that could be available. Speaking of which, they are described as an agent's best friend as well. If you're dealing with contracts, you want to make sure as an agent that your player is liked by that D-O-P-P. <laughs> you want to make sure they like it, right? So if the Durant player personnel doesn't like you or your player, well, I mean, you do the math. Thielen also says that there's really no way to do that job or to operate, but the job is basically roster building and maintaining. So back to Beathard, unable to stick as a player with Washington or the San Diego Chargers, <laughs> keep that in mind, Bobby Beathard first cut his teeth in the pros as a part-time scout for the Kansas City Chiefs in 1963. So he left that and he left the Chiefs to become an overall scout for the AFL, the American Football League. And he returned to Kansas City in 1966, where the Chiefs won the AFL championship and they advanced to the first Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers. From 1968 to 71, Beathard served as a scout for the Atlanta Falcons. Then in 1972, he was hired as director of player personnel for Miami, replacing Joe Thomas. He joined a young franchise that had just lost to the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl six to be exact, earlier that year. The nucleus of that team was there, and it was headed up by future Hall of Fame head coach Don Shula. Now, the Dolphins were already set up for success, obviously, before Beathard got there. And although he was hired as the director of player personnel, Coach Shula, was the general, the de facto, as I actually saw it, literally. Coach Shula was the de facto general manager as well as head coach. I mean, just check the list of those great players that they had. Some of them all pros and some of them Hall of Famers. Nick Bonacani, Larry Zonka, Larry Little, Bob Greasy, Paul Warfield, Jim Langer, Mercury Morris, Jake Scott, Manny Fernandez, Dick Anderson, and Dan Stanfield. Even Jim Kick. And backup Earl Morrow was brought in. Morrow, if you remember, was the, the Colts, the Baltimore Colts NFL MVP, the starting quarterback back in 1968 when they ended up losing to the New York Jets. But this job was more of a learning experience for Beathard. You know, according he's he's tell he tells he tells people that, that this was a real learning experience being up under. Don Shulin being a part of that Dolphins franchise. I mean, just remember how successful that they were. Do I mean, Shula gets there in 70, 71. They get to the Super Bowl, lose. And then we're going to continue right here. He was quoted as telling the Miami Herald he learned so much from both Don Shula as well as his experiences working with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, success did kind of, it seemed to follow him everywhere he went. You got the Chiefs in the Super Bowl in the first Super Bowl. You joined Miami in 72, and you know how that season ended. Undefeated, 17-0. Not to mention, they went to the Super Bowl a third straight year. Super Bowl eight, they won back-to-back -back championships. One thing that Beathard was known for doing is trading away first-round picks to get more picks. Believe it or not, Bill Belichick was not the first one to do this and make this popular. In 1974, Beathard selected Don Reese in the first round from Jackson State. He was a defensive end that basically had a bad rep for work ethic. A better way to say it was he was lazy. 
uh, and after another first round bust in 1975, he had learned his lesson. All right. The 72 Dolphins, they finished their undefeated season by beating the Washington football team in Super Bowl seven. And it would be that franchise that would hire Bethard as their general manager in 1978. They had been in the playoffs five times in the last seven years since 1971, but they were looking to get better. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. In 1978, that was year one of three for new head coach Jack Pardee, who coincidentally played his last game in the NFL against Miami for Washington. They were He was a linebacker. He played most of his career with the L.A. Rams. Um, Washington finished third in the NFC East all three seasons that Pardee was the head coach. And they missed the uh, playoffs by one game in 79 by blowing a 13-point lead to Gezu. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys. Pardee was fired, and Washington was looking for the next head coach to put them over the top. Bobby Beathard urged owner Jack Kent Cook to hire San Diego Chargers assistant coach Joe Gibbs in 1981. Slam dunk, hire. Slam dunk. A year later, during the strike season, Washington won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 17, against who? None other than the Miami Dolphins and Coach Don Shula. In 83, they boasted a 14-2 record. And although they were the best team in the league for the most part, they lost. And they got blew out, actually. They lost to the Raiders in Super Bowl 18. Of course, uh, it was a really good back-and-forth game. I think it was the final was 38-35 when they actually watched them beat the Raiders earlier in the season. But, I mean, Super Bowl is a Super Bowl. In 1987, another strike season, Washington would win Super Bowl 22 in a beatdown of the Denver Broncos, 42 to 10. Each one of these teams were very unique, okay? Very unique. And although Beathard had left Washington by 1991, Washington won a third championship under the Joe Gibbs era with his third different quarterback. Let's just say Bobby Beathard bought Gibbs some groceries. How did they accomplish all of this? Smart drafting and free agency. According to an article by Yard Barker's um, writer, Sam Robinson, Beathard, quote, quote, used two of the three first round picks he made in 12 Washington drafts on Hall of Famers, Art Monk and Daryl Green. He found the top hogs via third round picks. Well, a third-round pick, Russ Grimm, and a trade, Jim Lachey. And in free agency, Joe Jacoby. That, that made the Hogs line, the famous line. The quarterback was in place, Joe Theismann, who originally, man, football is a small world. You really find this out. You know what I'm saying? He was originally drafted by the Dolphins in 71. 
and ended up in the CFL because of, I think it was contract negotiations that they couldn't come to agreements. Um, but Washington acquired his rights from Miami in 74, and he went on to be the starting quarterback for those first two Super Bowls that they went to. Of course, his famous compound fracture against the Giants in 85 on Monday Night Football would lead to Doug Williams being brought in. And then after Williams secured that starting role over then-starter Jay Schrader, he was Super Bowl 22 MVP. Beathard was also responsible for the third quarterback, future uh, Super Bowl 26 MVP Mark Rippon, a sixth-round pick. Oh, don't forget that he traded for Ernest Biner, for instance, snagging him from Cleveland. Beathard had left Washington after the 88 season to join NBC. But like I said, check out this list of players that he rounded up. Art Monk. Mark May, Russell, uh, Russ Grimm, Dexter Manley, Charlie Brown, who turned into an all-pro level receiver, Dal Green, of course, Charles Mann, I think he was a, a 11th round pick, ah, man, check my facts, and Gary Clark, Ricky Sanders, he brought all of these people in, okay, I believe one of the lessons that Beth had learned, of course, was the power of free agency, and a uh, lower round draft picks. In 73, for instance, just give you an example. The entire Dolphins offensive line was made up of a bunch of cast-offs. They were free agents, picked out, uh, up off of waivers. One came to Miami via the expansion draft, I think from Houston. Two of those linemen, Larry Little and Jim Langer, they ended up being Pro Football Hall of Famers. Super Bowl 17's roster, that included 27 free agents come on man you know what i mean you you don't do that and build a good team like that with sustain very sustained success without knowing who to bring in for your squad and look he wasn't quite finished but before i go into that remember the strike shortened season in 1987 the the scab team between gibbs and bethard they brought in the best of the best of those free agents and those what they call scabs those players and they ended up winning the super bowl why because they brought in a nucleus of the best let's just call them what they were cast-offs and free agents that were still left and even a good number of those players remained on the team glad that they made uh they finally got super bowl rings because they only played that handful of games and then they were most of them were tossed to the side some of them stayed on the roster and some of them actually played a role but the fact is that was Bobby Bethel that was they jumped on it quick and that was his job as a director of player personnel knowing who is good whether he's on a roster or not free agents as well as people that are on your roster people that you can you have to check those boxes and he did that. Now, he wasn't quite finished yet. In 1990, he was hired to become GM of the San Diego Chargers. He brought along with him quarterback Stan Humphreys. I don't know how many of y'all remember him. He was a backup, but he drafted this guy back in 1988. In 91, he had to do another head coach firing. Uh, Chargers fans, they may or may not remember Dan Henning, but he fired Dan Henning and he brought in the Georgia Tech head coach, college football coach, Bobby Ross. 
The result, the 92 Chargers, they won the AFC West for the first time in more than a decade. And then in 94, they reached the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 29. Yeah, they got they, they got beat down, but it was a, a stacked 49ers team. Okay, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? But you made it with Stan Humphreys uh, and, and a bunch of players that some of y'all probably know. With, I mean, Rodney Harrison was there. Y'all know him. Junior Seau was there. They had some players. They, they had some players. Um, and that was with Stan Humphreys as the quarterback. In his, I think it was 11 years, he had 12 drafts, but his 11, 11 years with Washington, he only had three first-round picks, Beathard did. And he actually used those three instead of trading them away. Two of them were the Hall of Famers, and that was the Art Monk and the Daryl Green. And the third one was offensive lineman Mark May, who was one of the Hogs. He made the Pro Bowl once, but he was a solid offensive lineman. Yes, before he was on ESPN talking about college football, that's what he did. He was a he was a really good offensive lineman. According to ProFootballHallOfFame.com, and I have to quote this, collectively, all of his teams that he was a part of won 10 division titles, seven league or conference championships, and four Super Bowls. Yeah, Super Bowl seven. Super Bowl 8 and then Super Bowl 17 and 22 and he was responsible for Super Bowl uh what was 26 when they went to Minneapolis and they beat the Buffalo Bills and Mark Rippon was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He was around one responsible for putting those hogs in the front bunch together, the posse and he did his job and he did it very well. Football, though, remained in his family. All three of his grandsons played, the most notable being C.J. Beathard, quarterback at Iowa. He was drafted in the third round by the 49ers in 2017, and he's now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, there was the tragedy of his grandson, Clay. Uh, He was stabbed to death along with a teammate right here in downtown Nashville. Now, his son, Jeff Beathard, on on the brighter side, was a college running back that was Mr. Irrelevant in the 1988 NFL Draft. Jeff has been a scout for over 25 years, starting with the CFL's Hamilton Tiger, Tiger Cats. And then he moved on with his, to his father, with his father in 94, to the San Diego Chargers as a scout. And that organization all the way up to 2002. And then after spending the next 13 years as a scout for the Carolina Panthers, guess who just hired him this year as a scout? Yeah, the Washington football team. <laughs> He's got experience and pedigree. Uh, look, Bethard, Bobby Beathard learned how to evaluate talent as a scout. He learned how to build a team and maintain one through the draft and free agency. And as director of player personnel, he learned how to make decisions as a GM. He was one of the best. He gives a lot of that credit to his days with Don Shula and the Miami Dolphins. I mean, who better to learn from? You know what I mean? Football has been great to Bobby Beathard and to his family, and he spent 38 years of his life in professional football and earned him a place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018. He still lives here, actually, uh, not that far from where I am, but he lives here in Franklin, one of those cities just right on the outskirts of Nashville. 
God bless you, Bobby. You're a great GM. Great for the NFL. Let's get to these references. That show is a wrap. Thanks to WashingtonFootball.com. The Washington Post, a article by Scott Allen, dated August 4, 2018. Bobby Beathard's five greatest moves as general manager of the Redskins. SI.com's Chris Russell, dated May 7, 2021. Hall of Famer Bobby Beathard's son, hired as Washington Scout. Also, the Palm Beach Post, ProFootballReference.com, and ProFootballHallOfFame.com biography on Bobby Beathard. So, let's shut it down. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host and will always be your host, Michael Neal Jr. This show has been presented by Billy Up Sports, the Billy Up Sports Podcast Network. BillyUpSports.com. Go there. Click on it. Read the articles. Listen to the shows. And those shows you can listen to are home podcasting platform is Spreaker but also on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio all those great podcasting platforms include YouTube in that and please tell your friends and your family about this show you better listen to this show or I will find your house out Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.